welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. If you'd like to connect with us or browse resources, please go to kingroad.ca and click New Here. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. Anyway, my name is Imran, one of the pastors here. If this is your first time, delighted that you're with us this morning. Uh, we will be, uh, we're starting this morning a new series called Seven uh, Words of Jesus that he spoke while being crucified on the cross. Uh, so over the next uh, number of weeks, we will be going through uh, those words. The, the passages are there on the screen for us uh, to see. But this morning, we will study from John chapter 19, uh, verses 26 and 27 is our passage uh, to study, but for context, we'll read from John 19, 23 to 27. John 19, 23 to 27. If you have your Bible, would you uh, follow along uh, with me? Starting at verse 3, John chapter 19. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in pieces from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, is, for it to see who is shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This is God's word. Would you pray with me as we study this? Father, we thank you for your grace. Uh, we thank you that we can come and open your word and be taught by it. So Holy Spirit, I, I look to you and ask that would you be my aid, my help. As I share, as I speak, would you give me clarity? Would you speak to me and through me? Would you speak to us for our good and your glory? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We all have experience sitting next to a loved one who is dying or who has died. And as you stand next to that loved one, what would you like them to say to you? And what it is that you would like to say to them? In what way can you provide comfort to that loved one? What can you do in that situation? You're right there sitting next to them, thinking, I wish I could do something, but you cannot. That's exactly what we have in our passage this morning, Mary, the mother of Jesus, standing near the cross, wishing she could do something, but she cannot. 
So the title of the sermon is Standing Near the Cross. The outline this morning is, uh, is this, three, three points, hurting mother, caring son, and disciples' response. Hurting mother, caring son, and disciples' response. First, hurting mother. As we read the birth narrative, we read how God chose an ordinary girl who was highly favored by God. Nobody knew much about Mary, a young girl. But all of a sudden, the angel shows up that you are going to have a child. And we read that she was called blessed among women when she visits Elizabeth. So like any mother, when you find out that you are pregnant, you rejoice. It's incredible news. It's exciting. You share with family and friends. And perhaps on social media when the time is right. Because you want everyone to know that. When Mary found that she was pregnant, it was harder for her to do that because many did not accept the situation because the way it happened. She faced all sorts of challenges, pain, hurt. But now, she's standing next to the cross. Her son, who she gave birth to, who, who she cared so tenderly, and this darling son of hers now is hung on the cross. She wishes that she can wipe his face. She wishes that she could comfort him. But she can't. She stood there numb and devastated. What would you do as a parent if you were in that situation? What would you do as a parent if you were in that situation? What would you do if your loved one is in that situation? How would you respond? What would you do? She's standing there. There's nothing she could do. Why? Because it was all prophesied. According to Isaiah 53, Jesus is called a man of sorrow. That there will be a time when Jesus will suffer pain. But it wasn't just about Jesus. It was also prophesied about Mary as well. That she too will suffer pain. She will go through this agony. We find that in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35, where we read about a man named Simeon. We read that when Jesus was eight days old, his parents brought him to the temple. For the first time, and there was no older man named Simeon, who was told by the Spirit of God that he would not die until he would see the Lord, the Messiah. Now I want you to imagine that this older man, Simeon, is running around. He knows that he can't die and nobody can touch him. Because he said, I will not die until I see Jesus. I mean, that's pretty cool, just so you know. What are you going to do? Try. There's nothing you could do. Nothing can fade me. He's running around. 
And now he's in the temple. All the babies, all the moms who are coming with the babies, he's probably running around looking like, is this Jesus? Is this Jesus? And as a parent, you're like, man, can somebody tell this guy to stop it? It's my baby. What are you doing? Are you crazy or something? But then Mary and Joseph arrived with Jesus. And we read in the passage that Simeon runs and grabs Jesus. Now, in that situation, I think if it was you and I, you'd be like, where's security right now? Right? Like, you can't do that. No hello, no nothing. We have no relationship with you. And you come and take my baby. Who are you? But it's right there. Simeon holds Jesus. And what does he say? He says this, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. That was prophesied when Jesus was eight days old. That prophecy is now being fulfilled when Jesus is hung on the cross and his mother standing next to the cross. The soul is pierced through her heart because her son is on the cross and there's nothing she could do. There's nothing she could do. She's standing there. But the question we should be asking, we we read that Mary along with other women, a small group, and John. Where are all the other disciples? They all fled. They all forsook him. Because Jesus himself prophesied that there will be a time when you will all leave me. If you read that in Matthew 26, verse 56, we read this, but this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled All of them, including John. They all left him. They all fled because they were all scared for their life. Remember Peter's story? A little girl's asking, I think you were with him too. Oh, no, 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 not me. They were all afraid for their life. And they ran. They left him. But John is now standing next to the cross. Why? Because John perhaps had a change of heart. He left, he ran away. He's back at the foot of the cross, hearing all of this, seeing all of this. And it is there we we read that John has received forgiveness, love, and acceptance all over again. This is why when when we read John's first letter, what does he say in John 1 uh, verse 8 and 9? If we confess, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we come and confess of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because John himself experienced all of that at the foot of the cross. So standing near the cross, John saw everything. He heard everything. And what does he do? We read, near the cross Jesus stood, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. 
What John wants us to see in this passage is the how devoted Jesus was to his mother. Even in, her di- in his dying moments, he's devoted. Standing by the cross, there are four women. Now, if you read your Bible, you know the story. Four women at the cross. Women were the first one to be when Jesus rose from the dead. Where all the men? Drinking their mate. Right? What's up with them? But that's, that's being, being demonstrated here. You, you, you see his mother there, who knows the whole truth about Jesus. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, who's the mother of another disciple. And Mary Magdalene, who we read out that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. And she's now willing to stand next to the cross, regardless of what comes her way. That's radical love there. That she's willing, unlike the other disciples who ran away, fled and left Jesus. Because she experienced something from Jesus. She received the freedom from Jesus. So she's willing to stand next to the cross. So the question I have for us this morning is, it's not if, but when tough time comes, will you stand near the cross or will you run away from the cross? When tough time comes, will you stand near the cross or will you run away from the cross? So we learn Mary's hurting. And while she's hurting, her dying son knows how to care for her, which is the next point, starting at verse 25. A caring son near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, And the disciple whom he loved standing there by, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. I want you to notice something here. Jesus suffering an unthinkable pain on the cross. But while on the cross, he sees his mother. He wants her to, to know that he's got her. He will take her, that the word Jesus saw. He took notice of her, that she's there. I will do something here. While nails appear through his hand and feet. I'll tell you this though. A number, number of years ago, I was playing soccer and um, while playing soccer... I hyperextended my hand, this left hand, and I blocked a shot. No, normally it doesn't happen. When I went to the hospital, they're like, this is uncommon. The guy took a shot, hard shot. I quickly put my hand there because I didn't want uh, the shot to hit me in the stomach. And this hand just got ripped open, like all right there. It's bleeding. A friend of mine dropped me to her house. I quickly come. My compassionate nurse wife, she's like, let me see. I'm like, there's no way you could see this. We need to go to the hospital right now. And she's like, well, I cannot help you if you don't let me see him. I'm like, no. I need to be taken care because my hand is bleeding. I need, to be, I need this to be stitched. It's all about me right now. 
Forget it. What's going on in the house? I need to be fixed. I go to the hospital, six stitches, all that, no, no problem. But the point of that is, when we get hurt, it's all about us. I need to be taken care of. Can you do something for me? Immediate fix needs to take place. But not with Jesus, though. He's hurting, he's wounded, he's bleeding. He's hung on the cross, but nothing like that. Linsky, in his commentary, writes this, that amid severe suffering, another person might have his whole mind turned in on himself. Not so with Jesus. Not with the desire for pity because of his own suffering does the son turn to his mother, but filial or devoted son-like care for her in her lonely state and suffering. Even now, as he dies, she is in his heart. Nothing more tender and touching is found in the gospel story than his love of, than this love of Jesus for his mother. Because it's right there he sees her. And if Jesus, while hung on the cross, sees his mother, is he not seeing you and I? Is he not seeing you and I? He is. Because he took notice of his mother right there while suffering. He takes notices of us as well. He knows you and I, all the stuff that we're going on in our, well, that's going on in our own lives as well. He knows that. What does he say then? While hung on the cross, he says, woman, here is your son. Now, addressing his mother, Mary, by a woman, in our culture, it's not okay. Imagine your child comes to you. Hey, woman, what's up? He'd be like, come here right now. Time out in your room. By the way, that, that format of time out, I, don't dis I disagree with that. I don't know if it does anything or not. Going to your room is like, great. I'll go hang out and play with my toys and stuff. Right? No big deal. But how would you respond if your child comes to you and say, woman, how rude, how dare you? Wait for your dad to come home. Like, all, all you bring all of that stuff. But here's Jesus dressing because it was appropriate. He's not being rude. Dare woman. But there's also something else going on behind this. Because this is not the first time Jesus is doing that. In John chapter 2, when we read Jesus at this wedding, at the wedding they run out of wine. And Jesus' mother comes to Jesus. Do something. And what did Jesus say to her? The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. That right there, and now at the cross, he's addressing woman, here is your son. Jesus is redefining or re-explaining the relationships there. Yes, you're my mother, but I am also your savior. 
When in John 2 he says, my hour has not yet come, that hour has now come, that he's on the cross, and he says, now it is going to be fulfilled, it is being completed, that I am your Savior. This is why when we read, when Mary is rejoicing, and what's her song? My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Who's her Savior? Jesus. So Jesus is reminding that I am your Savior. As a Savior, he takes notice of her. He looks down from the cross at his mother, shows compassion towards her. And he honors her mother. Murray Harris, one of the commentators, writes this. Jesus' committal of his mother to the safekeeping of John was fulfillment of the fifth commandment. What's the fifth commandment? We just heard Miss Alfreda say that to the kids. Honor. All right, kids. Honor your... Very good. Now, what are the first four commandments? They're all about God. The last six are all about relationship with man or with one another. The fifth one is right in the middle. Honor your father and mother. Why? Because your mom and dad play a key role in helping you know and love God and one another. Your mom and dad help you Know God and to love one another. This is why we, we read in Ephesians 6 too. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. Honor. The question is, in what way are you honoring your father and mother in that setting? It was a custom and responsibility of an elder son to look after his parents. And Jesus being the older son, he's now on the cross. There's nothing he can do, but right there, he's doing something to provide care for his mother. And how do we see that that care is taking place? He calls John into the situation. So we'll start with verse 26. It says this, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. That word here is, it's not legal binding taking place. Like we have in adoption. You have to sign a bunch of papers and stuff before you, you have something like that. No, Jesus, what Jesus is simply saying to John, John, I want you to step in. I want you to take her in and take care of my mother. I want you to take care of my mother as you take care of your own mother. And what's John's response? From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Now I want you to imagine when John takes Jesus' mother Mary into his home to care for her. 
what he's going through. What are some of the questions perhaps John's asking? He's interested to know all that she has treasured. Why? Because we read in the gospel that Mary's treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. It's like a little baby book. As a parent, you have a baby book of your child. And when they go older, you, you look back and you ponder. I mean, like, how did this happen? You've grown up so quickly. But John's now in the situation, he's asking all these questions, and Mary's just pondering all of these things. The question we should be asking, why, John? Where's Jesus' brothers? Why are they not there? Because if it was a family's responsibility to look after their own loved ones, especially mom and dad, where are they? Well, reason number one, they didn't believe in him. Jesus' siblings did not believe in him. You can read Matthew 12 and Mark 3.21. Reason number two, Jesus is illustrating here that we, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to take care of those amongst us or in our midst. That's our responsibility to do that. But it is family's responsibility comes first. It is their job to look after their parents which is common practice in Asian and Middle Eastern culture, that your parents staying with, with their elderly sons or older sons. But in our Western culture here, we do have senior homes. Now, I'm not saying that you do not love your mom and dad. I want you to know this. You do that. You visit them every day, I guess, right? Or you take them and go meet them at Rose Cafe or, or some other places, get some soup and all that stuff. It's wonderful. But what Jesus is pointing here, that that is our responsibility. The question, if I ask you, how do you or how would you honor your father and mother in their old age? What would you answer? How do you take care of your elderly parents in their old age? What would be the answer? Ah, uh, yeah, my life is busy. I, you know, we do this, we do that. All of this stuff. But I bet you this. The elderly parents, those of you who are here listening to this, you're going to pick up your phones after the service. You're going to call your children. You're going to say to them, I'm moving in with you. <laughs> because this is what the Bible says. How would you respond to that? You're like, no way. <laughs> Not happening. I need my privacy. That's a common thing, right? But Jesus is demonstrating that, that it is our responsibility. We, we studied First Timothy chapter 5 and 6, all of that, like how we look after. And there even like it says, like it is one's own responsibility to look after and care, provide care for your own family first. That's our job. We are called to love and care for our own family first. And then we go in the church So now as you're listening to this, you'll be like, what does this mean for us this morning? All of us have stuff, I'm just saying stuff going on in our own lives. You know that stuff. As a mother and father, you're hurting with that stuff 
that you're dealing with. As a child, brother, sister, son or daughter, you got your own challenges. You're dealing. My question to you is, as you stand next to the cross, what comes to mind? Or are you standing next to the cross in the midst of all that's going on in your own life? And if you're standing next to the cross, how do you find hope, love, forgiveness, and comfort? Because it is there Jesus showed care for his mother. It is there John experienced love, forgiveness, and acceptance right there at the foot of the cross. But you and I, we all have stuff going on. The only way we can do and deal with that is if we stay near the cross and gaze on Jesus, fix our eyes on him who's the author and perfecter of our faith. There's a hymn that says this, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain Free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Can we say this, keep me near the cross? I think that, that's what we need to do. If we stand next to the cross, we know who's on the cross. We know who can comfort us, who can heal us, fix us up, and restore us. And it is there we meet our Savior who looks at us, who takes notice of us and says, I got you. So this morning, I want us to do this. Worship team, if you could come forward. Um, Pastor Paul and Carla and Frank, with your wife, if you could come, and Suzanne and I will be here. We'll all be here, okay? You all got stuff going on, hurting in one way or the other. But the only way to be healed to be restored is to come to the cross. So we have, all of us will, will be here. While the worship team is leading us into a song, you can come and pray with one of us here. And we'll pray with you. Or you can quietly stay at your seat and pray. And give all of that to Jesus. Because he cares for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. We thank you that standing next to the cross, you've given us a new perspective. That though we're hurting, you take notice of us. That while you being on the cross, you reached out to us to save us, to heal us, to forgive us. And for that, we're thankful for we ask that through the preaching of this word that you change us, encourage us, challenge us to run to the foot of the cross. For our good and your glory would you do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us on social media at King Road Church. Have a great week.